0: Hello, everybody. Happy New Year once again. And welcome back to another episode of Uncle Tom Talks. I mean, your disembodied voice, the champion, Apollo Creed. But the main event today is our man, my brother, the Uncle Tom, Derek Wilburn. And he's got special guests today, so he's going to tell you about them. So here's Derek.
1: This is. Uncle Tom Talks, this is going to be 12 rounds for the heavyweight championship of the world. Coming to you from the mean streets of the west side of Colorado Springs, Colorado. I am Derek Over and I am your Uncle Tom. This show is produced back at the mothership by the one and the only, the two-time defending champion. His name is Apollo Creed. And there he is, the former heavyweight champion of the world, Apollo Creed. There he is. And uh, I've got a very special show today so I'm going there's one headline that I'm going to talk about very briefly then we're going to get to the meat of the show today because today as you know January 6th is the one year anniversary of the supposed Capitol Hill insurrection and I am not it's all over the news and you're seeing it everywhere I'm not going to get into it I don't like covering news that everybody else covers But I did wanna just briefly make mention of the story running right now on the UK Daily Mail. So today, Jan 6, 2020, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives held a moment of silence on the House floor to commemorate the January 6th supposed insurrection. And the President of the United States, Joe Biden, yes, he is the President. He was inaugurated, he was sworn in whether or not he legitimately won the, the election or not is a different discussion. President Biden delivered a 27 minute long speech in which he accused Donald Trump of holding a dagger to the throat of democracy. And from the UK Daily Mail, quote, he did not mention his predecessor by name, but 16 times referred to him as the former president accusing Trump of creating and spreading a web of lies about the 2020 election, close quote, yada, yada, on and on and on. It went for 27 minutes. Now that's leadership. We don't have anything else going on in America. Okay. We've got no other problems than the president's going to take 27 minutes to hash and rehash this year old news. And then go on to talk about the need for a spirit of unity and cooperation in the country. These people need to keep the hate alive, and they will keep the hate alive at any cost. It's been a year. Shout out to Rush Limbaugh, who, to the best of my knowledge, coined the phrase, Donald Trump, living in liberals' heads 24-7, rent-free. Biden gives a 27 minute long speech about Trump today and it's a year after They just can't let it go won't let it go have to keep that hate alive Maybe we'll talk about that more on Tuesday's show next week. Uncle Tom talks airs on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but before I Don't have time for that today and I'll tell you why because here's what we're going to talk about today so you may or may not be aware of this but Uh, So I I gained viral fire. I gave a speech at a local school board, Colorado Springs, Colorado District 49 school board. I'm going to have a guest on with me in a minute. There with me that night. Uh, Speech that caught viral fire. You've probably seen it. It's been viewed. uh, God only knows. I don't know how many millions of times at this point, but uh, it was it was it was quite large on the internet. That speech garnered me a call from a producer at the dr phil show and i flew the dr phil show flew me out at cbs networks flew me to hollywood i hopped on a plane just a couple of weeks after that speech Uh, they flew me out there It was a whirlwind tour i took a a flight out of colorado springs at about four o'clock in the afternoon landed in los angeles at about five o'clock in the afternoon because of the time change Driver picks me up at the airport takes me to Hollywood to my hotel Uh, Went down and had some dinner around six or seven went to bed got up in the morning got cleaned up Driver picked me up at seven in the morning Drove me onto the Paramount Studios sound lot went to the dr. Phil stage uh, Into the green room went through makeup and all that stuff on stage with dr. Phil for two hours Driver takes me to the airport back on an airplane. I was in my car and back in my house 23 hours later that's how it went so um, I was on the dr. Phil show we taped this in um, mid mid late September the show we taped just aired yesterday and uh, we're gonna talk about it so rather than me so I was there on the show I was front and center front 50 yard line front row seats So I'm really not uh, the best person in the world to critique the show, right? I'm a little bit too close. It's like proofreading your own work. It's like proofreading your own resume. You don't see your own mistakes. You gotta bring in a fresh set of eyes, right? So that's why I've got a couple guests who are gonna go through this with me. Now, we can't watch the entire Dr. Phil show. Um, We taped for two hours. We were on that stage for two hours. The show itself is an hour-long runtime, but with commercials, it's probably really 46 minutes, 42 minutes, something like that. So they have to chop it up and edit it up. And they chopped it up and edited it up in a way that didn't make me look great, in my opinion, to nobody's surprise. I mean, Dr. Phil, big Hollywood lib, uh, pals with Oprah. Uh, Hollywood, of course, is all liberals, so they're really not... Concerned with making a black conservative or any conservative look good. I don't think I came off looking bad but in a show like this there was So they bring out this egghead uh, black USC tenured professor big liberal and he first say and then they bring me out and I get the second say They Bring out one more on the other side It's one one and then they bring out so each commercial break another person or two comes in so by the end of the show there's like Eight of us out there and we all gave as good as we got right i made some good points I delivered some body blows I took some we all did all of the or most of the body blows I delivered the good the the really good lines that I got in got edited out they ended up on the editing room floor none of that stuff made it into the final product but what did make it into the final product aired yesterday and they have posted a chunk of it onto YouTube uh, we've got about a 14 minute long YouTube segment from the CBS dr. Phil show YouTube page this isn't me this is CBS this is what they put out for public consumption what they put on their web page yesterday and what they aired yesterday aren't exactly the same they, they, they put some more juicy stuff on the web probably to drive people to the live broadcast because that's where the money is um, that's where the ad sales are but I'm going to bring out a couple of friends of mine, and we're going to dissect what they did put on the, the 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 internet. And I haven't talked to my buddy. The two guys I'm going to bring on, I haven't teed this up with them. We haven't talked about it. I just told them, watch the clip, and then I want to have you come on the show and, and chop it up with me. And you tell me what you see that I don't, because I recognize I have blinders. We all do. So uh, joining me this evening on... Uncle Tom Talks are two more Uncle Toms. Pastor Nathan O'Neill, he's up there He sits on the board of directors of my 501c3 organization, very good friend of mine. And Kendrick Davis, uh, local entrepreneur, businessman, uh, another born-again local Christian just like Nathan and myself, very active in his church, uh, owns his own insurance agency, brilliant young man. I'm going to bring them both on right now. Creed. Add those handsome devils to this feed if you would so there you go all right now those aren't a couple of faces that nations have gone to war over faces like those that's a couple of good-looking good-looking dudes not a lot of hair going on
2: (laughs) not not at all
1: So you've got Derek, Uncle Tom, left, Kendrick, Uncle Tom, center. You've got Nathan, Uncle Tom, right, making sure his, uh, his camera is, is angled correctly. And here's what we're going to do. So first and foremost, before we dive into the podcast, I want to have Apollo Creed, the two-time defending heavyweight champion of the world, put up image number, Creed, let's put up image number five. So to set this up, so if you go to the Uncle Phil website or Uncle Phil, the Dr. Phil website, there is the posting that, that that's the that's the screenshot they chose for yesterday's show clip. So to to they are not concerned with making me look good. Look at that. Look at so they they could have captured. I was out there for two hours. They could have captured any picture they wanted to. And used it and superimposed it for the purposes of this YouTube video clip. Look at the one they went with. I don't know that somebody made a predetermined decision. Let's try to make the conservative guy look like a foaming at the mouth lunatic. Because they didn't ask me but it sure looks that way to me (laughs) so that's how we're gonna tee this up so uh, Nathan and Kendrick here's what we're gonna do Uh, viewing audience just as a way reminder we haven't talked about this this is purely organic I haven't given them any marching orders we're just gonna roll this thing it's uh, a little over 14 minutes long it's cut number one and Nathan and Kendrick here's what you do the heavyweight champion of the world Apollo Creed back at the mothership has his finger on the button if and when at any point during the runtime of, of this dr. Phil clip you want to speak just say Creed hold it right there you know stop it you, I'm giving you two permission to run the show so just say hold it right there what he just said we have to address he'll pause it back it up five or ten seconds and then when we roll it again we can keep on going It's 14 minutes long between the three of us. I'm guessing this will take us 45 or 50 minutes, but I got nothing but time. Okay, ground rules are understood. Uh, And those of you viewing, same thing. I tell you what, if you hear something and you want to make a comment about what you saw, use the chat. I can't see the chat from where I'm sitting, but the champion of the world can. And he will buzz in my ear and say, hey, John from you know, John seven seven three says thus and such, and we will address your comments live as we go. All right, if everybody understands, then Apollo. Cre- uh, anything you either of you want to say before
0: we roll?
2: No, I love how they made you look like angry black man, angry black conservative man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. I would yeah. have done the same thing.
0: It is kind of funny because you know, you're the least angry person yeah. I've ever met,
1: Kendrick. You know what? With friends like you, <laughs> I <I'm> got. <good. laughs> No, I got, with friends like you, I got no use for liberals. Okay, in that event, two-time defending heavyweight champion of the world, knocked cold in the ring by uh, Ivan Drago, bring up cut number one.
3: From the political arena to school board meetings. The battle over critical race theory continues to heat up. Putting
1: critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. My message to the Board of Ed,
4: stop
3: indoctrinating our
4: children. More than
3: 20 states have introduced legislation that would limit teaching critical race theory.
4: Tennessee recently passed laws
3: banning the teaching of certain concepts dealing with racism. A state bill has been labeled as
1: the effort to stop critical race theory FROM TEXAS
3: CLASSROOMS. SEVERAL STATES LIKE RHODE ISLAND AND MISSOURI ARE CONSIDERING BILLS THAT WOULD STOP SCHOOLS FROM TEACHING MORE ABOUT CONCEPTS LIKE SEXISM AND RACISM.
5: GOVERNOR RON DESANTIS IS BANNING THE TEACHING
3: OF CRITICAL RACE THEORY IN ALL FLORIDA SCHOOLS. TELLING MY CHILD OR ANY
4: CHILD THAT THEY ARE IN A PERMANENT oppressed STATUS IN AMERICA BECAUSE THEY ARE BLACK IS RACIST.
6: Well, I've invited parents from coast to coast, who have polarizing opinions on this controversial system of ideas and its impact on their children, to discuss this hot topic on this stage. But before we meet them, I want to welcome an academic that I have an awful lot of confidence in. He's taught critical race theory for over 13 years. You've seen him here before. It's his belief that the concerns about critical race theory have been blown out of all proportion. Please welcome Race and Equity Director at the University of Southern California, Dr. Sean Harper. Um, (laughs) Dr. Harper, thanks for being here again. Thanks for having me. You say you think it's blown all out of proportion. Why do you say that? Critical race theory
7: is now more than four decades old, right? It was established by legal scholars in the 1970s. Um, It is really clear to me that what we're seeing right now across the nation is in response to the uprisings that we saw all around our country, in response to the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. um, You know, those murders forced a national conversation about structural and systemic racism. And I think lots of parents and uninformed Americans are conflating conversations about structural and systemic racism with critical race theory. And they're lumping it all under the umbrella of critical race theory. Well
6: that to me is a very important distinction. Are you objecting to aspects of our history that have to do with the violation of the rights of black Americans?
1: No. No. I, I, what,
6: what is it that you object absolutely
1: to? Absolutely not. We, we should. We must teach history. We should teach history. All of it—the good, the bad, and the ugly. Certainly, slavery was a blight on this nation; is a blight, and we need to make sure that all generations, uh, current and those still coming, know exactly what happened. Uh, that's why I'm not a fan of. Uh, we had a meeting at our school board about a Confederate flag being shown in the room. A teacher brought a Confederate flag into the room, and. Uh, Some students got upset and they voted on whether or not to ban it. I don't want the Confederate flag banned. I want my children to see that flag. I want them to know about the atrocities that were committed on the ground beneath it. So, I don't have a problem with the teaching of history. Uh, One of the issues with CRT is if it's coming to K-12, where's it coming from? Is this a a big brother? Is this a top-down Federal Department of Ed curriculum?
7: Is this locally done? Is this state-run? So, was there an actual proposal that someone was bringing to your school district to teach critical race theory specifically? The district at which I made
1: internet viral fire, uh, was the board voting whether or not to bring CRT in any fashion of it whatsoever into the K-12 curriculum?
7: Yeah, see, I'm afraid that what was likely right happening- so,
1: Okay, so before we let Doctor th- this egghead go off on his next rant, he said something he said several things that are very very condescending so what he said was I'm afraid the parents and uninformed Americans So like, you notice how he lumped them into the same and this is what these academics do because I'm high and mighty I understand everything I have a level of understanding that you average Americans you average parents don't understand and the idea that teaching history and teaching critical race theory is the same thing is absolutely, fundamentally not true. History are matters of fact. History is provable, demonstrable. History is truth. It's not called critical race facts. It's called critical race theory for a reason, because theories and facts are not the same thing. It is theoretical and anytime you want to teach my child theory you know it's called evolutionary theory for a reason it's not provable nobody can prove that whales once walked around in Kansas it's all theoretical so if you're going to teach our children something that you hold to be a close to accurate theory I have a right to know What do you think of that?
8: So let me let me just chime in. First of all, as you know, Derek and Kendrick, I'm I'm not sure you are aware. I don't watch much TV yet. Just no man. But my wife, who Derek knows, um, actually recorded that show. And I had an opportunity to watch it in its entirety. Derek sent me a clip, but I had an opportunity to watch it in its entirety. And you're right, Derek, from the very beginning, he was condescending. But even before he got to the point of being condescending, Phil had put him on a pedestal. And so mm-hmm. that kind of bothered me. And then to listen to that young man uh, stole the virtues of his brilliance while claiming the rest of us are basically dumb as rocks was interesting one of the other things I noticed in the initial portions of the show is that he was given all the time he wanted to speak and every time you made a point particularly about the issues with CRT uh, Dr. Phil jumped in and cut you off, or they had to do a commercial break at a weird time or something. But what the what the young man, and I can't recall his name, failed to mention is he said critical race theory has been around for forty years, and that's not exactly true. Critical theory has yeah. been around for forty years, and then. He tried to conflate and put all of that together as something that they've been talking about and doing for 40 years, when in fact that was not and is not the case.
1: The original critical race theory conference was held in September 1989. Derek right. Bell and all those guys, it was 1989, and, I, and we're going to get there in this clip. I say that, and he gives me the 1989 like you don't know anything. Yes. So you're right, yeah, Dr. Phil kind of propped him up in the beginning, this is a man in whom I have tremendous confidence, what have you. And we, and we won't see it in this clip. You did see it in, if you watched the show that your wife recorded. But at the end, Dr. Phil thanks him for his time. Thank you for coming. And he's coming the only
8: one he, he said that to.
1: Not a word to the rest of us. He's at USC, right down the, right down the hall. I jumped on an airplane in order to be there i get no thanks for my time whatsoever so yeah we know what time that was what you got kendrick
8: right
2: yeah i i mean i guess i would add in uh when you like nathan just pointed out with the um it's been around for 40 years and, and i agree uh it's critical theory it has actually been around a little longer than 40 years but uh the the however long it's been around doesn't validify you know it doesn't validify it it doesn't make it valid yeah how's that relevant yeah and (laughs) and he brought that up and it's like he's trying to say it's been around so long that it should no longer be questioned uh yet we still call it theory um you know and so I I would agree he was considerably condescending the one thing that uh the other thing that he mentioned or he asked the question is there has there been a proposal in your school district to introduce critical race theory and and of course you talked about what happened at uh, the school district meeting and what we were there by the way i was there that night um and what we were there for uh, and i i would probably argue as you hear a lot of the the people who are proponents of critical race theory they would continue to say well critical race theory isn't being taught in the schools it's not being taught in schools Uh, correct probably not under the name critical race theory exactly. <laughs> it's being introduced into curriculum the, the critical race theory is being introduced into curriculum uh through other means and it, and and anyone who's seen you know some of these questionnaires that they are uh, having these kids fill out uh in in elementary school and middle school about mm-hmm. you know have they ever felt uh you know uh, racially attacked or Uh, have they ever felt like someone had a better was given a better life than it 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 is all components of critical race theory no no one is going to school districts and saying we want to introduce curriculum that is under the name critical race theory nope they are introducing components of critical race theory into actually multiple uh parts of curriculum math history you name it
1: everything and if I've gotten one email in the last week month I've gotten a thousand telling me the critical race theory isn't being taught in any school in America and I always ask these people the same question how do you know that how do you have perfect knowledge about not only what is being taught but what is not being taught in every single school in every single school district from Providence, Rhode Island to San Diego, California. How do you know that? It's just a talking point for that. There's no meat on that bone. Okay, Apollo Creed, let's knock out another minute or two.
7: There is that anything being taught about race and racism in America was being lopped into this bucket called CRT. That is frankly disrespectful to the intellectual genius that was Derrick Bell, a tenured black male professor at Harvard University. It's disrespectful to Kimberly Crenshaw, a brilliant black woman who is a professor at Columbia University and Mm -hmm. UCLA Law School who have been laboring in the trenches for decades on these very important legal concepts and principles. I think it's just, it's intellectually lazy and disrespectful to anything related to the teaching of race and racism and oppression in our nation in, in, into this category of CRT.
4: My name is Laura Cathcart-Robbins and so, I am absolutely right
7: for critical. So they didn't,
4: they didn't, my comment
1: on his comment did make it onto the show yesterday. It didn't make it onto this internet clip right now. Cause what I simply said to him was, we can't base this on what you think the school board intended or meant. So he's sitting there, goes off on this this thirty second long rant about what he thinks the school board intends. Well, you don't know that. So he, he's 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 very smug, smart. I think he's very smart. I think he's brilliant, uh, but he's very smug. He's very arrogant. Uh, he likes to hear the hear the sound of his own voice. But the whole idea that okay, we're We're just lumping anything and everything having to do with race and racism into CRT. Well, that's not what the District 49 school board said that they were trying to do. And even if it were, he wouldn't have known that. He wasn't there, Kendrick and I were. So a lot of this is just, it's so based on assumptions, on high level assumptions about what people on the ground are actually doing. And this is liberalism. We at the top of the ivory tower know better what you little people on the ground need or what your children need than you do this is what they do they run things from far away
2: yeah if i can add um you know something he said and this was actually a second time uh between the two clips that that he's made the comment about teaching race and racism and and oppression I don't. <laughs> I don't know if we need to be teaching about race, racism, and oppression. What we need to be teaching is: here is what occurred in our in our nation's history. Uh, there were moments. There have been times where a group of people were were oppressed. That is historically a fact. Uh, to be teaching today uh, about race, racism, and oppression. In a in a current context when we talk about systemic uh, i always think that's a a a pretty humorous word to use um, because what what makes it systemic because the truth is i i believe that people gauge and they they apply that word differently I, i've actually had a conversation with someone who explained something to me that they thought they believed to them it was systemic racism except it was one person being racist against them, right? So it was one person Mm -hmm. trying to prevent them from moving forward. They're, they're, they're retired military. And these are people, this is a person who does very well in life. Um, But he had this one run in with one person who happened to be uh, above him in rank. And he said, well, that was systemic. And I, and I said, well, That's not really systemic unless from the top down there, you know, everyone above you is trying to prevent you from moving forward. You, you admitted, you know, that it was this one person. You and everybody else. Right. So that, that one person may, may have, may have been racist, may have just didn't like you. And this person's very likable, but it's possible <laughs> the, the lady just wasn't liked by this one person um, you know, and so I, when we use the word and and of course, you know Derek and I we've had this conversation before when we talk about systemic racism and and later in the show, I believe they he talks about things like um, black people you know these applications being turned in and people being denied um, opportunities to of employment um and things of that nature because of their names. And listen, that is all. You know, one of those studies was done. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. One of those studies was done right down the road and in, in, in the Chicagoland area uh, years ago, more than two decades ago. So th- those things uh, have happened. But to call them systemic would mean that every employer around is 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 failing to employ people with, with traditionally black American sounding names or however you wanna to, want to phrase that. Um, and that's just not, that, that makes it systemic. It's not one company that, Bingo. <laughs> that, that and we're making sense.
1: Bingo, you're making you, you, sense.
2: Frustrated.
8: <laughs> no, no, and, and I agree with you. And when I hear that systemic racism, my question to them is always, tell me what systems are designed intentionally to be racist. Because you're saying it's a system-wide problem. So if in fact it's a system-wide problem, then I need you to point me in the direction of that system. And Derek said it, I believe yesterday, that there may, and you just said it, Kendrick, there may be a racist individual who works within the system, but that does not make the system racist. Right. And that's why we're seeing all of this, you know, DEI and DIE stuff, because they are still claiming the system itself is racist when, in fact, I just don't buy that. I grew up in a small town in East Texas. And I remember the signs on the water fountains that said colored and white. And I remember you couldn't go in the Woolworth store. And so I, I, I experienced all of those things. Um, and once I, my, we were my dad and I were at the bus station waiting for someone and I wanted a drink of water and that fountain just happened to be closer. And I got a drink of water and he said, well, son, you can't, I said, "Well, dad, what's the problem? White is a color. And that kind of started a <laughs> little brouhaha in town, but it was no big deal, but the point is Unless there are systems fully in place designed to keep black people in bondage and oppressed, other than what the Democrats do, of course, then there are no there's no systemic racism.
1: And here's the kicker: hey, Derek, the man is ahead. sitting there talking about this systemic racism. He is a tenured professor at the University of California, a prestigious. Private institution, USC is private by the way. Most people think it's a part of the University of California system. It's not, it's a private school. Tuition is very high at USC. He's tenured, which basically is a way of saying you're making a bunch of money and we can never fire you. I don't know what his salary, what his compensation is, but I think it's comfortably safe to say he's probably in the top 15 or 10%. Uh, As are we, I'm sure he lives in a comfortable home. I live in a very comfortable home. You've both been in my home, six bedroom, four bath, three car garage here on the stage, the two black men comfortably in the middle class, upper middle class. He has the respect of his peers. He's a professor at USC talking about the systemic racism that is oppressing black
2: people. Dude, look in the mirror. All All while not being oppressed.
1: All while not being oppressed. All right, Creed, let's knock out another minute. So this next lady to come up actually kind of liked this lady uh, I, I didn't love her arguments quite as much but she uh, she and I we were all in the green room and stuff got a chance to talk I like this girl a lot with the uh, with the long braids okay Creed here we go Theory.
4: I have two boys ages 21 and 23 my son's school was academically rigorous and so when I was helping them with their homework I flipped to the back of the book and I was like hey there's a lot of stuff missing I believe that our system was created by and for white people, specifically white men. I think the teaching of critical race theory does nothing but benefit all children. In Germany, they've studied the Holocaust and I think their education is so much richer because of it. If you look at Asians and Pan Pacific Islanders, the Latinx community and Native Americans, we've all studied the history of the dominant culture and we're okay. We need to understand critical race theory so that we have a better understanding of where we were and where we're headed. I say let people come to their own conclusions after studying this, but let it be studied. I believe that in withholding information, people are doing more harm than good.
1: You see the
6: garage to the well, house she's
4: standing in here. front of? Oh, thank you for having me.
6: Um, you've been listening to everything we've been talking I about. I
4: have, and I want to thank you for your definition. I did not understand that critical race theory was something that was taught at the university level only. So I just want to take that label off of what I'm addressing mm-hmm. because sure. I, think, I think that it interferes.
6: So what with, are you addressing?
4: So from my own personal experience, I have, um, I have two sons, as you saw in the, in the package there, and... I was um, a very hands-on mom while they were in school and they would be studying, you know, the kings of Prussia and Russia and all these different monarchs. And I would help them with their homework and quiz them and flip to the back of the book looking for kings that weren't white. Like, where are all the people of color in these history books? And finding none. And then so going to the administrators at my kids' school and going to the teachers and just asking why aren't we incorporating stories about kids who look like my kids? Why aren't we talking about the accomplishments of these black, brown, and Asian people who helped, not just helped, I mean, enslaved Africans built this country.
6: I'm working on a project right now uh, about uh, Dr. Charles Drew, and, and so it led me in talking with the producer... Hold it right there for a second, Creed. Uh, 10
1: black so people uh, so I, I, I I'm in favor I, I agreed with her uh, about her son's books and we're studying the the kings of Prussia and Russia but where are the black okay I'm, I'm fine with that I think that's a very valid point but let me ask you both this question when someone says America was built by enslaved Africans she what's your reaction to that statement
2: You can go with Dr. Nathan. (laughs) Oh, you're
8: going to answer it. I know, Kendrick's trying to get away. I I don't buy that. Um, Research shows that black men and women were a part of the building process, but they were also paid. Now, the wages were menial, but they were paid. Um, The other aspect of that is... And, you know, uh, what's, Michelle Obama was big on that thing. She, she repeated that in many, many speeches that uh, America was built by slaves. As a matter of fact, you remember she said, this house I live in or something during the time they were in the White House. And I think the, the idea is, one, to continue to push the narrative that black people have been and always will be forced into servitude without recognizing that some of the information that we're receiving about us as a people isn't necessarily accurate. But we don't want to deal with the inaccuracies of those accounts because then it doesn't play into the narrative that is being pushed to keep us, again, to keep us oppressed, to keep us down, or whatever they're trying to do i share briefly my upbringing uh, you know we had a small little house and if i wanted to see the stars at night all i had to do was look up when i'm lying in bed because there were holes in the roof. but that did not stop uh me or my siblings from working hard and trying to be productive citizens in in this country mm-hmm. which takes me to another point the global citizen thing but we'll get to that later
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we'll get, get to
1: that, that because I, the one lady talking about that, that's going to come up in about five minutes. Um, okay, Kendrick, since you want to dodge the bullet, I'm not going to let you, but I'll give you my <laughs> thoughts first. So, I, I I can't stand empty rhetoric, like raising a global citizen. To me, that's just empty. What What does it actually mean when people say America was built by slaves? What's that actually mean? So I went to film this Dr. Phil up in Los Angeles, California. We've all seen the skyline. We had these these big skyscrapers, same in every city in the country, New York City, Chicago. You've got 50, 60, 90-story tall buildings. Well, during slavery days, the tallest buildings in the country were two stories. Uh, Slaves did not build the Chicago skyline. Uh, They laid down the transatlantic cable in 1858 so they could communicate by telegraph from the New World to England the incredible documentary if you've never seen it Uh, slaves didn't do that the house that I'm living in right now and talking to you guys via an internet connection slaves didn't do that Uh, so I just don't understand what I don't don't know what it means slaves built America I drove today on interstate 25 it was not built by slaves
2: i I just don't know what it means means. i i I think when you hear that phrase slaves built america whatever that means um i think that it's in reference to infrastructure right so so uh we talk about because the truth is in the north there were no slaves right there there were there were there were no slaves and so when you look at uh you know boston uh, and, and other parts of Massachusetts and New York, uh, there, there were no slaves that, that built, and I shouldn't say there were none, but it's, it's uh, far less slaves were used to build infrastructure in places like that because those states didn't have slavery. Um, and and I, so when you hear people say it was built by slaves, they're talking about infrastructure. Uh, and if you wanna look at you know, railroads, there were Asians, that were part of building railroads there were indentured irish that right when you look at actual infrastructure building uh in the earlier early colonial days um there weren't just black african slaves helping produce and build those things um you know it it takes an engineer to build a home right or or an architect uh to, to lay the plans out there uh, there were just more people involved uh, in in building up the original, the early infrastructure of the United States, and it to, to it's as he, I'll use a, a, a term he used, it's intellectually lazy um, Bingo. to just say I slaves that. built America. Very the, the,
1: the, you know what. We've been talking about it three and a half minutes, you just summed it up in three and a half seconds. It's simply intellectually lazy. It doesn't mean yeah, anything. It really, you, you can't define it. It's just lazy. All right, Apollo Creed, hit it.
6: ...contributed to American history, Dr. Charles Drew, who's the father of the blood bank. Shirley Chisholm, uh, the first black woman electorate to Congress, uh, Claudette Colvin. Uh, at age 15, refused to sit at the back of the bus. This was before Rosa Parks. Uh, Bessie Coleman, uh, world's first licensed black pilot. Uh, Ethel Waters, first black American to star in her own TV show back in 1939. Gordon Parks, first black American on the staff of Life magazine. Alvin Alley, uh, globally renowned dancer and choreographer. Uh, Jane Bolin, uh 1939, first black female judge in the entire country. Benjamin O. Davis, Sr., first black military general, Uh, Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler, first black female doctor in the United States. They're not being taught about in the curriculum. Why, why is that happening?
7: Yeah, so part of it is that we don't do a good enough job of teaching teachers the truth about America's racial history, and you can't teach what you don't know. So there's, there's that. I have enormous appreciation for history. But I also want us to teach the truth about the contemporary disadvantaging of communities of color not... I I, I want to be very thoughtful here. I don't want my people to be only seen as victims, but I do think that we are doing a disservice to our democracy when we fail to help students understand that racism is not just a historical thing, it's not just a thing of the past, mm-hmm. but there are far too many systems and structures that continue to cyclically reproduce racially disparate outcomes among people like of color on just yeah, about every pause. metric please, in our nation.
2: Pause, creed, pause. <laughs> okay. Yeah, These
1: systems and structures. Uh,
2: yes, uh, so I love where he went uh, here. So let's let's break down a couple of things. He he started talking about systems again. Um, I would arg- I would ask you know who controls those systems that that he think he believes are holding people back, um, and, and and he wants to talk today about those things that are in place. That listen, I'm, I am as I've already mentioned, I am from the city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There's been documentaries made. Uh, about how poor the public school system is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? Uh, and and um, all I can tell you is, in the city that I was born and raised in, every, every member of city council in the city, every member is a Democrat. The mayor is a Democrat. All, my entire life, they, they, they've all been Democrats. And this is not, you know, bad Democrats, but when we wanna talk about systemic issues um i i go back to who's in control of these these systems that we think are holding us back uh it, the the school boards so Milwaukee has one major uh, school district the Milwaukee public schools uh so it has one board right if if i've already told you the to makeup of the city council and, and we call them aldermen and i've already told you the to makeup of the 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 mayor the the, the mayor um it's Probably pretty likely that everyone serving on school board is of a similar slant, right? And and, and so he's he's although intelligently, and I don't deny this guy's intelligence. Um, I think he uses it as a weapon. Quite honestly, um, he's intelligently expressing how he wants to make sure children today understand the contemporary the current issues that plague the black communities. Um, but is he willing to actually address those those people who have been in power and in charge of, of making the proper changes? Because Milwaukee Public Schools are still amongst the worst performing schools in the country. The same is true for Baltimore. I, I told the story one time about the lady who, who found out in her son's senior year that he had only had like three credits. He had only earned like three credits and she, you know, is angry. And how did, how could she, she have never known this was happening? Uh, it, you know, she works three jobs and, and so on and so forth. And she wants to blame the school, well, it's a, there's a partnership when we talk about schooling and I love the fact that that lady says she was very engaged and involved, but I will ask this question. Going back to what she said earlier, what history was, what history book was she looking at? Was this a European history book? Because when I was growing up, I took European history. I took world history. I took American history. I was I loved history. So I, I, every elective, additional elective I could take that in, involved history in high school and in college, I took it. Well, if I'm studying European history, I am probably not going to be learning about uh the uh, the pharaohs of of Egypt or, or or the kings that that were in Uganda mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. not but in my world history I did learn about uh kings and queens that looked like me
1: and and the point you're you're started making and you're correct so they begin this segment Talking about the history books and this isn't in the history books, and we need to make sure this is being taught and this isn't being taught and what have you. As you so appropriately put, who runs the education system? Who runs the system? I mean, and your and your your question was, is he willing to call out the people who run the system? We both know the answer. No, he is not. None of them are. They'll sit back and oh, they'll blame America. And they'll blame the Southerners and they'll blame the Dixiecrats of the eighteen hundreds and they'll blame the Republicans. They'll blame everybody in the world except the people who are actually culpable.
2: Yeah.
1: It's incredible. All right, Apollo Creek.
8: Can... Oh, never mind. Oh, Wait, go this? ahead. We'll get back to it. Okay. Way okay, so much you're, so if you're
1: talking about in the aggregate. The aggregate that these things happen, I don't disagree with you. The question then becomes, do we fold that into a K-12 curriculum? And that's what we're here to discuss.
3: My name is Sarah Dean, and I am a mom from Seattle, Washington. I have an eight-year-old son. Here's what I know about raising an eight-year-old white son. He was born in America as a white male. It doesn't get better than that in terms of opportunity. I, as a mom, feel a huge sense of responsibility as a white woman to make sure that he's in an education system that teaches him what has happened in our country over the course of hundreds of years. I'm a white woman in a middle class community. I don't feel only a sense of responsibility to my son. I feel a sense of responsibility to his black and brown friends.
5: My name is Taylor, and I'm an educator in Texas. There is a real misconception about what critical race theory is and how it's being taught in our schools. I think a lot of educators are being criticized with people thinking that we're teaching white privilege in kindergarten classrooms, and that's just not happening. I support critical race theory being taught to older students in high school. As students get older, a lot of the truths of how our nation was founded come to light in history classes then teachers can have developmentally appropriate conversations with these students. I think a lot of people think if we don't talk about racism.
1: Okay, uh, Creed, if you don't mind, back it up to the second white woman, because the first white woman, this lived from Seattle. First of all, so she singles out her own son as being the most privileged population on the planet, being a white male in America. First of all, what's wrong with being privileged? I want my children privileged. Why is that? Why do white? Why would anybody demonize their own child because they were born into a privileged situation? Good for him. I don't have a problem with your privilege. I want my children to have privilege. But then the second thing she says is that I don't feel a responsibility only to my son, but to his black and brown friends. So she has a responsibility to her son's black and brown friends, but not to his white friends. And was Better that as well as it could be said. I think he said this in the 1970s. He said, don't treat us as special. Treat us as equal. What, what this woman think is that she has a special responsibility to his black and brown friends because we're different. Because our ancestors were enslaved 160 years ago, she has to treat us differently. Treat us as equals, not as specials.
8: I completely agree. Um, Certainly, I I found that remark that she made uh, in terms of her responsibility to be rather off-putting, because again, it goes to the fact that she is saying, I, as a white person, have to take care of them, I'm responsible for them. Now she tried to spin it in a different vein, but that's exactly what I got out of that statement. And I I, I was kind of put off by that because that's the very thing supposedly that they're trying to get away from with CRT. And yet everyone, at least on that side of the aisle during that conversation, agreed with what she was saying you, you just can't have okay. it both ways
1: yeah they don't see it they don't see it that black people need our help black people need me
2: yeah, yeah and cream. that is oh. that's so true
1: where
0: did you want me to put
1: it uh, at the beginning of the second blonde woman cuz I kinda talked over her trying to trying to get your
0: attention and this oh, woman well, is I a teacher. I can't hear you it's my fault I don't know why I can't hear you what
5: I'm an educator in Texas. There's a real misconception about what critical race theory is and how it's being taught in our schools. I think a lot of educators are being criticized with people thinking that we're teaching white privilege in kindergarten classrooms, and that's just not happening. I support critical race theory being taught to older students in high school. As students get older, a lot of the truths of how our nation was founded come to light in history classes then teachers can have developmentally appropriate conversations with these students. I think a lot of people think if we don't talk about racism that it'll just go away. Let's be honest, racism is deeply rooted in our nation's history and it needs to be discussed.
6: Yeah, keep the past I mean, alive. Believe our, our kids need to know the whole story.
5: I, I do agree. We're raising global citizens here, okay? That's what we do as teachers and as educators. We prepare students for a diverse world.
6: Is there a difference in in your mind between teaching them history and putting a social vector with that history? And by that I mean some parents object to the fact of saying, okay, here's what happened, and then this is what that means for you now socially in terms of where your compass should point, what your conscience should tell you to do, how you should act, interact, and behave with your your classmates and students particularly if they're of a different color
5: teachers should teach the curriculum that's provided by their state regardless of their personal beliefs so that students can make their own decisions about those factors that you mentioned at the end of your question
6: what are your thoughts on this
3: so I really appreciate
5: what Taylor said
3: about raising global citizens and so if hold I hold it right Kansas, there. through the lens of how do I raise
1: All right. Pastor Nathan O'Neill, I have a question for you. How do you, how, how is raising a child to be a global citizen different than simply raising a child?
8: Yeah, that's an excellent question, and in my mind there is no difference. Um, okay. okay, Kendrick, you, you raise a child. Kendrick,
1: you answer.
2: <laughs> um, here's the, yeah, so uh, no, I There's
8: cut Nathan, Nathan off. I'm just fooling around. No. Let, let, let him finish. No. his I'm just fooling around. No, no, no. I'm just saying they're, they're, the, the, the verbiage is a global citizen. The problem in my mind is you are then, for that particular child, in this woman's case, perhaps you are unknowingly teaching him or her that... Anyone that God has painted a darker hue, they have to take care of and provide for because they can't do it themselves. That's uh, that's really all I get from the implication of her statement.
2: Anyway, that's actual racism, by the way. (laughs) Completely is, is is handing pity out to someone who has not asked for your pity. Um, I you know this, this global system. So, so Derek knows I've spent the last decade or so teaching the constitution of the United States, um, to adults. And, and so, and we teach the original I- intent as well as what was happening historically, uh, around the events that led up to it. And so when we, in this nation, if you are saying that, you're built. You're you're trying to raise up a global citizen. First of all, I love Benjamin Rush is one of the founding fathers. Uh, he's considered the father of public education. Uh, Benjamin Rush said that schools are to teach children first to love God, then to love country, and then to love family, right? And 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 he said it in that order. And and his reason being is uh, there's it's obvious why you teach them to love God in schools. He, Talked about the, doing this in schools. Why put nation before family? Because if you don't teach them to love the nation, uh, the 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 nation will become the great enemy of the family. We're actually watching that occur right now. Uh, and and in this nation, you don't have to teach a kid to be a global citizen. You teach a kid to be a a a responsible and and a citizen that is going to engage in the, in the nation. The truth is vast majority of Americans, the vast majority of Americans never leave the city that they were born and raised in, a large number. So you're teaching them to be global to what? The, the 10 city block that they're never going to escape from or leave from, uh, but we are the great melting pot. You want to teach a kid to be a global citizen, teach them to be a great American citizen. And they are going to interact with people from every part of this globe of the world. You don't have to teach them to be a globe, whatever that meant. When I heard that yesterday, I watched that that clip uh, and I heard that. I'm like, what are you? What are you talking about? I do appreciate that the one lady said, teach the curriculum that you're provided. Don't you know, she kind of went away from I'm not going to teach how I feel about a specific subject, but in bringing in critical race theory, which she supports, you're going to bring in your own emotional um, baggage with with that. So
1: and she mentioned kindergarten. So we're, we're all born citizens. You roll up a with a little ten-month-old baby in a restaurant and get in that baby's face and start smiling Make a goo goo gaga noises or whatever. It doesn't matter what color you are that baby's gonna smile That baby's gonna laugh that baby's gonna giggle if you tickle her feet Doesn't matter if you're Asian and the baby is black and none of that matter. There are no racist kindergartners. not one doesn't happen until they get turned into something other than that so we're all born global citizens and we're turned into something else but I don't even know what a global citizen frankly uh, it's, it's just it's rhetoric without any sense behind it I'm raising my child to be a global citizen well of course they're citizens of the globe what else are they citizens of Uranus <laughs> I mean yeah.
8: roll that it appeared to be where some of their heads were by the way
3: <laughs> a, child a global citizen in a way that he can be conscientious of our history then I have to look at how am I raising a child that can be a critical thinker and when it comes down to critical race theory in school we're looking at teaching our children how to be critical thinkers and how to interpret data and research and history in order to then take that into leadership across all organizations and across the
6: globe Yeah, because we're raising adults not children exactly as adults we write on the slate of who our children are, and our teachers are with our children 40% of their waking hours. So that's really important, uh, what they're saying to our children. And as, as parents, uh, you know, we should pay attention to that and have our voices heard about what's being said. And I would suggest this, if you do have opinions about this one way or the other, you know, don't run up the stairs at your school with your hair on fire uh, hysterically. <laughs> you know, go in and ask and find out what's being taught. And if somebody says, you know, ZRT or whatever, find out what they mean by that. You know, look at the curriculum, see what, see what is actually being taught and respond to the actual substance of what's being taught. You have a right to weigh in. And we ran way over today, and I'm gonna put what doesn't make it in the show today on the website.
4: Stop indoctrinating our children.
6: Critical race theory. It's been branded a poison in your child's classroom. Enslaved Africans built this country.
4: We are pitting our children against each other based on the color of their skin.
2: New Dr. Phil. <laughs> well, All let me their just. Arguments.
8: go ahead. Right. And I was gonna say, I just wanted to go back a few moments in in the clip because, and I thought Kendrick was going to to mention it, but when, when Dr. Phil said, so how do we teach these folks and use this to then impact our world socially? And he stopped short of the SJW thing. But what I noted was not one person dealt with that question. Everyone just kind of skipped over that because they can't identify what it is in reality. Uh, and I'll say this, and then I'll try to be done. The problem I had with the the young man, the professor do, was well, there were several, but <laughs> one. <laughs> One was that the more he talked, the more he tooted his own horn, and then it got to the point in my mind, and, and, and again, my wife and I were talking, and I said, it seems to me, fully understanding he has tenure, I said, it seems to me, though, the reason he pushes critical race theory is because if that goes away, so does his job and yes. and i just meant that rhetorically but of course that's his bread and butter for the last 13 yeah. years what else is he going to do
2: yeah true yeah that's that's, that's true. very true um it's an, I, you it's, know it's, I will, it's in
8: his and a lot of
1: other people's better interests to keep the hate correct. alive as long as they can
2: yeah and and i'll say this and and uh you know derek and i you know derek, derek makes the comment that that racism is on life support um, and, and we, we kind of differ there, right? I, I, I tell people all the time to assume that racism doesn't exist w- would be. And, and I use this word very kindly, right? To assume that racism doesn't exist would be ignorant. To assume that racism exists in everything would also be ignorant. Racism, as I've said many times, is a spirit if you're in if you're in Africa, uh, black people are are fighting and killing black people. It's called tribalism. Uh, if you're in if you're in uh, China, right? There's this group of people called the Hmong. They're they're the, kind of the oppressed group in China, but they look like all other Chinese, right? It it is a spirit that exists, and and we are until until God calls us all. <laughs> you know, until until the great rapture and revelation takes place. Um, racism, the spirit of racism will always exist on this planet. Uh, we are not we're never going to eliminate. And I believe that's what th- there is this attempt always by humans to try and create utopia without understanding. Th- there's no such thing as long as humans are part of it. We, we, they, we cannot create a perfect, su- perfect society. And I'll end by saying this, my first best friend in kindergarten was a white kid. I would spend nights, I would go over to this kid's house. He did live in my neighborhood. I would go to his house. I would spend nights at his house. My closest friends from college, one is a Bolivian, one is Filipino. Three or four of them are white. One, one is a black kid from Detroit. Or he's not, a you know, we're 50-something now. But <laughs> my point is uh you te- you you should be teaching your kid to look at all people as people not the color of their skin as dr martin luther king said the content of their heart if you my my mom raised me up telling me that all people are just people and so i've had hispanic friends growing up i've had asian I, every every color <laughs> in the rainbow uh i've been friendly with I've had relationship with, and I've never once said, I will not be your friend because you're white. I will not be your friend because you're Hispanic. I've never known that in my life. And I think when we talk about this global citizenship or whatever the case may be, as we're talking about crypto, you don't need to teach any group of people that they're perpetually oppressed or any group of people that they are perpetually in charge, if you will. That, that is that is the wrong thing and that is what critical race theory does. I don't care what, how they try to spin it, it is teaching one group you are bad and one group you are oppressed and the bad people need to make up for oppressing you.
1: And it doesn't offer any prescriptions, it, it doesn't offer any solutions, it doesn't offer any ways of healing. So it's bad enough to just tell one op- group you're the oppressors, one group you're the oppressed, but then it ends. If you're going to go to the next step and say, and these are the things that we need to do, that's an improvement. But just to identify and tell five-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 55-year-olds, 85-year-olds, by virtue of the one thing over which you have no control, no control. who your parents are, the one thing none of us can control is who our parents are. By virtue of the one thing over which you have no control, You are a part of a fundamentally racist, racist, oppressive regime. You can't even, you can't not be a part of it. You don't have a choice because of your parents. I reject it outright. You and I are in a complete agreement that uh, to say that racism is gone, is non existent, is ignorant. It's totally ignorant. There are racists in America just like there's racists in any country. But to say that it's so baked into our system, now it once was. We all know that. We all know that you, you know, if you were black in 1942 and went to the bank to apply for a home loan, your chances of getting shown the door empty-handed were pretty high, but they yep. insist on living as if we still are in 1942 when we're not. I refinanced this house we're in right now a few months ago, and I had banks and lending institutions, they're still calling me. Tripping over themselves so trying to get me to take their business. You know that yes. I get stuff in the mail to this day, them trying to get me to give them my business. Same with everything I go. I have never walked into a restaurant and been told, sorry, we don't serve your kind here. None of that stuff's ever happened to me. But they want to insist that we still live in 18 and crosses are being barreds and you're being denied home loans and auto loans and you can't get into universities when in fact in many cases the opposite is true if you're white and you want to get into the university you need an 800 point score but if you're black you only need 750 it's easier for us all that stuff that they want to keep dragging into 2020 not all of it ninety eight point nine percent of it has been eradicated and the 1.6 or 7 or 8% or whatever percent is left, I just don't let it affect me. And I told my kids the same thing. You've told your kids, you know, you may run into people who don't like you because of the color of your skin. That may happen. You may have it harder, but you know what that means? That means you got to get up a little earlier. You got to study a little more you gotta stay a little later, you gotta work a little harder. I'm not about the excuses, I'm about you being a victor, not a victim, an overcomer, not an oppressed. I'm not having it. Okay, the final say, uh, 520. Okay, final say will be yours, Pastor Nathan O'Neill. take us out.
8: Well, there are a couple of thoughts that came to mind and we'll talk about that offline. I, uh, all in all, I thought even and I could see it in your face when I watched the the uh, episode I thought you handled yourself professionally uh, your answers were intelligent and succinct but the part I really enjoy above all is when you said to the, the young kid the young guy uh, I thought we were here to talk about critical race theory in schools And we've gone off on a whole nother tangent, and you didn't say that piece, but I I loved how you attempted to bring them back to what was supposed to be the root of the discussion, and they drifted further and further away, and I think a lot of it was based on the fact that they just really didn't want to deal with you. I could be wrong, I could be biased because you're my friend, my brother, I love you but I think that had a lot to do with it. They just didn't want to deal with you. I think so.
1: Well, and something that did make it onto the television broadcast, but didn't make it into this 14 minutes we just we just watched was um, Dr. I uh, know I forget his name myself, but uh, he was talking about, and talking about baked in systemic racism, how, uh, no, Dr. Phil actually was the one talking about it, where uh, we have person X getting, uh, sentenced for the same crime as perfect person Y, person X is black gets a sentence that's 60% longer than person Y. To which I said, you know, we can't, we can't do that. We can't take macro level statistics, find disparities between the races, and say, that's racism. Boom, it's racist. We can't do that. So, in the, and this is the example that I used, and it drove that professor out of his mind, I said, okay, let's say that's true, that person that, that person A, black guy, gets sentenced to six years, person Y, white guy, only gets one. How do we not know that for whatever this offense is, possession of crack, cocaine, whatever it is, that the black guy, this is his fourth offense, right. the white guy, this is only his first? Unless we know that second level of statistical information, just saying, boom, it's racist, is simply unfair, and it's feeding this, narr- this narrative that it's baked into our system. I don't deny that maybe there are some things that are baked into the system, and so we got to find them and get rid of them. But you can't look at surface-level statistics and simply make that generic application that it's all just racism.
8: Yeah, he didn't like that, Derek, at all.
1: <laughs> no, no, he, he wasn't a fan of that, and uh, uh, very, very... Self-righteous individual. Um, I don't think he and I are going to be having barbecues anytime soon Uh, I am going to rename this show instead of uncle Tom talks. This is now uncle's Tom Okay, we're we're (laughs) uncle's Tom Kendrick Davis Nathan O'Neill. You're both very good friends. I love you both. We uh, we watch sports together We pray together we do community activism work together. We are working together right now on an initiative to start making a difference in local schools, because black and brown kids in Denver and in Colorado Springs, just like in every city in the country, are bringing up the rear. And part of the reason they're bringing up the rear is because we have school administrators and school boards that are more concerned with social justice items than they are with reading, writing, and arithmetic. So we're doing all behind the scenes and on the streets, and I appreciate you both joining me on Uncle Tom Talks. I hope you had fun, and you will come back again. Back at the mothership, the two-time heavyweight champion of the world is Apollo Creed. Creed, do you have any announcements before we we get out tonight?
0: Well, sure we do. We are about to go live immediately after this with Conservative Daily. Um, we've got a. Uh... We're going to unveil them in a little, uh, in a few days, probably beginning of next week, we're going to be doing some updating to this show uh, to raise up the the platform for Uncle Tom Talks. Uh, But we do also have a special edition show coming up at 7 PM tonight uh, with Dr. Shiva, uh, where they're going to go over a lot of election fraud data. Uh, Joe's going to be on there and Dr. Clements, Dr. David Clements as well, or Professor David Clements, forgive me. Um, And also please uh, check out the links in the description. Uh, To get the link to subscribe to Derek, uh, text the word FREEDOM to 89517 so that you can get our text alerts, and you will know right when Derek is going to go live so you don't miss any of his magic. Uh, Kendrick and Nathan, thank you, both of you. Uh, It's been a pleasure to, uh, to get to sit in on this conversation. Uh, anything else, Eight, Derek? Eight nine
1: five one
0: seven. Eight nine it's five one seven.
1: Yeah it's about time this show gets some upgrades. I know all the white guys' shows got upgrades already.
0: I mean hey, you know how, how the system is. <laughs> you know how the system is, all right? See, it's baked in. It's baked in. It's baked it's in. in.
1: Like this since nineteen fifty-two. I'm Derek This has been Uncle Tom this has been Uncle Tom Talks. Uh you will see those two shining young men on this show again in the future. I absolutely guarantee it.
0: Well, that's it. Kendrick, Nathan, thank you. Derek, as always, a pleasure. This has been Uncle Tom. Thank you. Thank you.
8: Thank you.